You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you look at the bench of the Raptors getting into it. He's Here's Fred! Bucket and book it! He's hoping! Johnson with a double. Straight line drive, attacking the rim. Hello! Nice cut. Norman Powell with the slam dunk. We all do something. Do something, Jack. Here we go. Two for one opportunity. See ya. Hello! Blue, blue, my. Oh, my goodness. Carter comes up shooting. You are listening to 95 to Infinity Podcast. Myself, Brandon Kajoka, and as always, I am joined with Greg Hiroshadis and Christian Wolfgang Graffin. Boys, how you doing today? Doing good. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about this boycott, Brandon. This boycott. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, I guess we can open up with that. So, I guess the biggest news in the NBA are regarding the Toronto Raptors is that the Toronto Raptors and the Boston South Boston Boston Celtics joining unison have a discussion about potentially sitting out the next uh, series of basketball, uh, maybe even potentially game one. Um, obviously, this is about another case of racial profiling. A uh, police officer murdered a black man in Wisconsin uh, earlier this week. Uh, not Greg, murdered, not murdered. Shot him, sorry, shot him. Uh, my apologies there. Um, Paralyzed him. Greg, what is your uh, assessment of this protest? And do you think it's actually going to come in fruition or is it just all smoke? Well, look, man, uh, this is the first time that my Raptors fandom and social justice uh, mandate have come into conflict, actually. Right. Like, I, I really want to see them play tomorrow. We're talking about Boston. I've been waiting to see them play Boston since my right indoctrination into the fandom. But at the same time, like these guys are young black men in America. They feel very strongly about this. I completely understand why these killings are are, are brutal. Um, and then the discussion becomes like, by playing, you know, were you not going to change anything by playing, right? Like these bigger issues are still going to exist. Um, they, I, I was to understand that they had agreed to play throughout this whole process. So I, I'm wondering what the response from Disney is going to be. I mean, because uh, I'm one of the people that, because this for me happened when the bubble even started, when, when the news broke about the bubble happening and if they should even go and play. And then there was a lot of players like George Hill even um, on the box was questioning why they're even there. Um, so it's been a lot of uh, Kyrie Irving was obviously outspoken about it earlier. So there's been a lot of players um, 
it, when something like this an event happens and players that are currently in the playoffs about to play game one against each other and like you said uh, a highly anticipated series especially when it becomes sort of a league-wide sort of thing like this is very serious um the players are right now so frustrated because they don't know what they can do to help. And in my opinion right now, I mean, a boycott of a game would certainly bring a lot more attention to everything because not only would it be Disney that's affected, but you're talking about all the owners. Um, These are people with a lot of money and a lot of political power that can put pressure on state attorneys. You know what I mean? Like that's what the goal is here. And and, and can I add that? Give me a sec here. So just kind of going into that, um, you know, I feel like the NBA, when it comes to team by team ownership, you know, it, it's a little bit more progressive than, let's say, the NFL, where it's largely antiquated, run by you know uh, elderly white people, um, you, you know, legacy money, um, that sort of like archaic sort of one percenter behavior. It seems like the NBA, at least from my estimation, seems like it's owned by a mix of. Um, you, you know, uh, you, you do have those sort of curmudgeonly old crotchly men, but you do have yeah. Silicon Valley people working in different. It's more corporate. It's more corporate. Right. So for, for me, I, I, I get the gesture um, and I think it's obviously very important. If they feel, you know, it's significant enough to set up the game, I absolutely support the cause. But you mm-hmm. know, I think mm-hmm. the NFL, I can see this more as a viable option. And the NBA, I, I just don't think it's personally necessary. But again, that's my story. Not anyone Brandon, and can I add, Brandon, can I add to that? And what do you feel about the fact that it's a Canadian team with, a, with, a, with, a, with an African-Canadian uh, owner, right? I mean, he's a Canadian citizen, right? Um, as, as being, you know... It's a Toronto team that's doing this. The former well, this champions. Comes, this comes back right before the world. Nick Nurse. This come down to Nick Nurse as well. You know, um, stating. Uh, pro oh, he's got. Nurse has no say in this, man. He's got to go along, right? As a honestly, as an ally for what they need as a white man, right? I mean, he she grew up in America. I'm, I'm sure he knows about the problems, and he maybe and you know what? Maybe he feels strong, right? But um, it's it's truly incredible, actually. And, and unprecedented. How do you plan for a game like this? How do you strategize as a coach? It, right? Like, how do you get your players? How do you get your players uh, uh, ready to go mentally when, when, when you're not even sure if that game is going to happen and you know that their heads are not in that space? I mean, I mean interesting. Right now, too, like some of the reports are that there was a players-only meeting right between Boston and and the Raptors about if the game wants to be held. So you're right. Nick Nurse, uh, Brad Stevens, um, GMs, <laughs> they're agents. They're Nick all sort of excluded from this process right now. It's Masai really a players only decision. What do you think Masai, where do you think Masai is on this? Where do you I think believe- he is on this? Because she's had, right? The Raptors buses put that stuff. They came as very strong supporters well, of this. Even though we are not, we are not, right? Uh, uh, an, an, an American franchise. And this is like a somewhat of a localized issue, right? Like it, the uprising started there. That's for sure. Well, it seems but like he's come with a very strong well, it presence. Seems like, it seems like in any other situation, you know, I don't think many owners would have the ability to corral their team the way that Masai could in this type of situation. You know, I think Masai... I think, Go on. I think Masai's ability to sort of uh, relate to the situation, especially what happened during the NBA Finals last year in the Golden State Warriors, you know what I mean? Especially be, obviously being a black man living in Canada, mm-hmm. America. You know, I think it seems like the type of yeah. leader that can sort of uh, and, yeah. address the situation and clarify and, and, it and put the bigger I, picture. 
I'm not saying the bigger Brandon, they're probably bigger just, picture and correlate with the game. Brandon, and can I just add to that that on that Greg note is about super the- excited today, eh, boys? <laughs> no kidding. Greg, uh, Greg, you uh you, you took something before this and caffeine on our throats. <laughs> kidding, I love you. Hey. We talked about this yesterday, right? The or uh, last podcast, the the incident with Masai Jiri. A friend of mine, Sabrina Rajak, right? Uh, she uh, wrote a, co-wrote an article with a professor at U of T uh, in for the Globe and Mail about that. Uh, it's an opinion piece. The Masai Jiri incident shows success doesn't shield black leaders from systemic racism that plagues all sports. I would check that article out. But yeah, man, I I am. Because I'm actually, like I said, I'm torn between wanting to see the game and and uh, these real issues. Like, that was a horrific incident that happened. It really was. We, we did touch base on last week. Let's go down the list. We have a ton of NBA topics to, uh, to get to. We just sort of uh, touched the surface of it. The Boston Celtics series were uh, going against, I guess you could say, our Eastern Conference nemesis. <laughs> Um, you know, you're talking about two of the most talented rosters in the Eastern Conference, with the exception of Milwaukee Bucks. The two names that come to mind are the Boston Celtics and Toronto Raptors. It was destined to happen eventually. Graffin, what is your impression of this second round matchup, and what do we need to do to secure victory? And additionally, is Kyle Lowry going to be in game shape come round two tomorrow night? Well, that's going to be the Joe big play. story. That that's going to be the big story, and I I, I do think that. I mean, Kyle's tough, right? You saw, you just saw Luka Doncic go through it and and sort of willed his team to a win. I mean, last night was a bit different, but I think Kyle yeah. Lowry will be playing because um, Kemba's also pretty hurt as well. I mean, I know Gordon Hayward's also hurt for them, so he's out. The series for me, I mean, the headlines, like I said last week, are going to be Tatum versus Siakam because those are the two quote-unquote superstars that are on both teams. But I still think it's going to come down to strategy. Uh, Brad Stevens versus Nick Nurse. It, it's going to be a really defensive series, and the team that's better defensively is going to win. I I think for us, we're really going to have to take advantage of our bigs. Marcus Gasol and Ibaka are going to have to have huge series um, for us to have a chance, I think, um, because Boston's good, man. Like they're, they're a team right now. That's clearly, in my opinion, scarier than Milwaukee, who's stuck against, you know, still in the first round. So, um, Tatum, Tatum Brown, those are the two players that I would, I would focus on for the Raptors defensively. So OG and Siakam would be my main, my main defenders yeah. on them. And then again, trying to get the bigs going early and trying to get them scoring. I couldn't have said it better myself actually graph in terms of summing up and uh, analytically the, the importance of those uh, particular matchups that you laid out, the importance of the big man, the defense, right? It being, it's going to be all about defense. And like you, I am anticipating those two matchups between nurse and uh, Stevens and also between Siakam and Tatum. Like how, how many, how many like uh, switches are we, are we going to see? And you know what I mean? From the coaches, like we're going to see so many different directions that they're going so many different, they're going to have to make so many different alternate plans throughout all the games. I bet you Brad Stevens is eager to beat Nick nurse, right? He was the next kind of upcoming coach, right? Mm -hmm. And nurse nurse has sort of, uh, stole a little bit of his thunder, right? He's like uh, just as smart, but he's got a little bit of a uh, little bit of flair. He's not as much of a of a golden boy, right? He- I think this matchup for me, at least on the surface, comes down to the depth of our wing play. Um, you know, obviously Jalen Brown can switch between the three and four. You know, but for me, you know, be able to put out, you know, OJ Anobi, Pascal Siakam, maybe to a lesser degree, Rondé Hollis Jefferson if he is healthy. You know, is uh, 
that that's a lot of bodies to throw at them in a situation where they don't really have enough depth to compensate for that length, that size, for the lineups are going to be able to put out there. Siakam at five, Rondé at three, OG at four. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 going to be a tough matchup for the Celtics. And I know we kind of alluded to the big man issue, but you know the Celtics a don't really have a traditional center, and b their power forward, you know isn't a traditional power forward. There's not much depth at that position for that team. You're right. And that brings that, that reminds me of another point that I, I do think the series is going to go deep. I think it's probably going to go six or even seven games. And that's going to work that. Those are the games where you're going to see that affect a lot. I think because Marcus smart, um, Jalen Brown, they can only play so much. And by those, t- by the time those games happen, later on they're going to be pretty worn down so you, you're right the the wing play the centers and i'm excited honestly if, even if lowry doesn't play fred van vliet has been such a good starter he's been arguably i mean i wouldn't say better but better in different categories so i'm not hey, too man. worried about that and norman he's Powell's got to play against fantastic two guard play as well you know that backcourt if lowry is out at least there's a little bit of confidence yeah. of norman powell better recent play yeah i think he'll play I I think they're just being coy about it to be kind of shadowy, right? Uh, that's, a, that's some Sun Tzu shit right there. I mean, I hope he plays, but I have no idea. The Raptors are so cool. Like you, like you said, they're holding it. They're holding their cards close to their chest here. So that's right. Hey, it, I don't know. So it was Lowry and the players. Sorry, only. Could I ask? <laughs> hey, could I ask? What do you, what about the Hayward factor? Do you, I think that could be something that, because before we had home court, in this, we don't have home court anymore, and, and I thought that matters in, in our games against them. They, they were awful in uh, Toronto. Now, yeah. right, it's on, it's, on a, it's on a different playing field. But then minus Hayward, because they had four legitimate all-stars. It's very similar to playing Philadelphia last year in terms of the star power. I agree. And they're a better integrated team, and they're more modern, right? Like you say, the big man, I mean, we'll see Ibaka. Ibaka's played great last game against the Nets. Ibaka knows he has to have a big series. Man, you got to beat. Yeah, I was gonna say he's got to beat Mike Daniel Tice. Like fuck. Yeah, I mean, Tice is sneaky, right? Like he was able to play against Embiid and not get injured. Alrighty, moving down the list, boys. uh, We got some more NBA news to get to. The biggest news or piece of news that hit recently was the announcement that the Indiana Pacers are going to dismiss head coach Nate McMillan. I personally think it's an incredibly stupid move. You know, you're not talking about a team loaded with superstars. He, he, he developed a lot of... No, they didn't have Sabonis. Well, you they know, didn't have Sabonis. Well, you got even got to think for a second, you know, Sabonis coming from Oklahoma City wasn't, you know, at least like... Uh, no, was, yeah. Was considered a rotation guy at the time, and Nate McMillan and the coaching staff made him Helped develop a borderline him. all-star, all-NBA guy. Additionally, you know, Turner... Uh, yeah, Oladipo played, played, played great guy. there. And became a defensive presence as well. And, and, you know, beyond from that, you know, Bogdanovich was a great signing. Um, you know, it seems like Nate McMillan got the best out of that team. What is your guys' view on this firing, and was it justified for Kevin Pritchard? For me, no. Uh, I, I, Okay, look, I kind of link it with the Philadelphia firing of Brett Brown. Um, yeah, I think that yeah. both of them, both of them, were scapegoats for a system, yep. and and honestly, uh, the Pacers is less so than the 76ers because the 76ers GM with Elton Brand just didn't put together a good team. But both of them were the scapegoats here. I don't think either of them had great success in the playoffs, which is the you know what the argument is against them. But like you said, like they don't have their players, they don't have the right system behind them, both of them. So 
and now also there's reports that they want to go after D'Antoni, the Pacers do, as their next head coach. So it seems like they're just moving from that gritty old style play of basketball to the new school through chuck up 53s a game. Yeah, but I feel like um, Nate McMillan was scape uh, like his firing made less sense to me than the Philadelphia firing because like he didn't really have a healthy Oladipo and he didn't have Sabonis. Sabonis was an All Star this year, and they still like competed in, in all those games. Miami just had like uh, all their talent uh, healthy, and they're a really well run team. Like you know what I'm saying? Like like if he had a full roster, I think he could have beat Miami. And that right, that team is young, up and coming. Going into another series, we're talking about sweeps right here. Four nothing. Um, the um, the other one was the Philadelphia, the Boston Celtics, and the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. Brett Brown was also dismissed as head coach. We just kind of alluded to that earlier. Um, what is the future for the Seventy Sixers? I know they're really locked in on the Tobias Harris contract. You know, Joel Embiid's pretty frustrated with the status quo. That uh, Ben Simmons has been in trade talks uh, for the last couple months or so. Al Horford really didn't fit in schematically. He was coming off the bench of the latter half of the season. Graffin, what does this team need to do to fulfill their lofty expectations after, you know, uh, six, seven years of basement dwelling? Well, I mean, step one is anything Colangelo did with the team. I would try to replace that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm one of the people that, honestly think i mean sam hinky clearly is not a stupid person he there there's a lot of reports i'm reading right now out there that said the philadelphia 76ers tanking clearly didn't work and this is all evidence of it and ben simmons and joel Embiid are the only two players left of it and it's really not true colangelo fucked everything up as soon as hinky got dismissed and they traded all the picks that he had acquired for some shit players. Well, the faults for Tatum flip as well was like the first thing off the bat. For sure. And Tatum just swept him, right? Like getting tons of points. So uh, the, the future of the 76ers for me is a deep, a deep from the top down, sort of speak, a, a complete rebuild almost. I mean, Elton Brand seems to be a good GM from what, the players that leave there say from what Brett Brown says. So I would maybe give him another chance, but in terms of, it boggles my mind though. Like graph, we were talking at the start of the season, like the steal from the, the wise words of Nate Diaz. I'm not surprised motherfucker. Like you look at how this weight, this team, (laughs) you know? Uh, So yeah, they made a ton of blunders. You know, one of the one that bothers me the most is deciding to trade Zaire Smith for Mikhail Bridges, who have been the perfect backcourt, uh, compliment to that team. You know, again, we need to emphasize three-point spacing with Ben Simmons on the court as well as Joel Embiid. What does this team need to do moving forward? Like, they're in salary cap hell. They max out Tobias Harris. They max out Al Horford. It doesn't really seem like there's a clear way to remedy the situation unless it's through a trade. And I can't really think of any team willing to take those contracts. I agree with everything you said. I just wouldn't overreact because Ben Simmons being there this series would have impacted it so much that, I mean, Philadelphia would have actually had a chance in this series. So I, who knows? Yeah. Like, I, I, you're right. The The construction of the team is bad without Horford and the power forwards and everything. But I don't know. I, I, I would try to look out to move Al Horford. That's about it for a wing player, but I wouldn't overreact too much. Listen, if they went forward to two, if it was a six-game series, five-game series, if they got one game, I'd be fine with that. Well, the fact that they had Tobias Harris, Al Horford, Josh Richardson, and Joel Embiid, and they weren't able to take a single game from them. Obviously, it's a coaching issue, but, you know, with or without Ben Simmons, they're not winning that series. And the fact that they weren't even to get one single win with Joel Embiid on the court, I think is a little more alarming in general. 
They need some shooters, man. They just need some shooters, and they'll be good next year. But Brett Brown had to go because the Philadelphia fans are crazy. Well, he's clearly not a good coach. <laughs> if only they had J.J. Redick or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Has uh, anybody watching Luka Doncic? He's pretty good, eh? What do you think? The kid is the truth. He is the new truth. He's Paul Pierce on steroids. Well, remember I was trying to get you to like support the Luka Doncic hype trainer, Ashley, because I felt like he was your kind of guy. Lo and behold... Is he's European? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, for sure. If there's a Japanese basketball player out there, I'm sure as fuck all of you guys would be like, that's your guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not <laughs> Rui Hachimura. How, how I don't care where Doncic came from. If he plays like that, like he, to me, he's the most uh, breathtaking player to watch I've seen since LeBron James. 22 points, one for six from three. He's insane. <laughs> well, no, man. He was he was injured, and they're playing without Porzingis. You know? Like, you can see. You have Marcus Morris trying to step on his injured foot last night. Four assists, you know? five, turn, four assists five turnovers. Those are like Marvin Bagley numbers, Graf. No, and maybe, maybe Marvin That's Bagley Marvin. in the G League. Okay. <laughs> Did you see? Did you see that step back? That was electric. That was like a Damian Lillard ending to a game, and that's another player. I gotta, we gotta give it up for Damian Lillard because I did not put enough respect on that man's name. Best point guard in the NBA. I don't think there's much of a discussion at this point. Like, like actual point. Brandon, guard. you've been on him. Yeah, he's been one of my guys for a while. But Grafton, like, can you dispute that? Who do you think is the best consensus number one point guard in the NBA? Is it Damian Lillard? Can you? Like, I. I it's Lillard or Harden, but again, I don't put Harden as a or Luca guard, right? We're we're, t- we're talking we're talking behind Kyle Lowry here, right? Obviously, <laughs> obviously, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm still going Fred Van Vliet. Then I don't know. Hearts of champions, those two nasty backcourt they become. All right, moving down the list, we got a couple matchups to discuss briefly. Uh, we're gonna go. We just mentioned them earlier. The LA Lakers are currently up. Uh, I believe it's two to one against three one three to one. They won. Sorry, they won. Uh, they won on Monday. So uh, I, I believe uh, game five is tonight. At Correct. 9 PM. What's your impressions matchup? Do you think the Lakers are just going to complete the the series tonight, or do you think the Portland Trail Blazers have a glimmering shot of getting to the next round? Blazers might get a game tonight, maybe. But L- Lillard's uh, not playing. There no. There's no chance they're okay. winning tonight. Yeah, he was out. He no chance. Fourth, I think. Yeah, they they they're getting uh, they're getting bounced tonight, which is unfortunate because I thought it would be more of a series. So, in retrospect, do you regret saying that they were contenders, or did they just run into a uh, buzzsaw on the LA Lakers? I think they ran into a tough. I mean, the Lakers put the hammer down last game. The look, they lost the first game. It takes a while, seemingly, for all these players to get into sort of playoff mode because there's no atmosphere, right? So. Right. The Lakers, now that they're there, they're clicking, LeBron specifically. Uh, no, I think they ran into a team that's deservingly the number one seed in the Western Conference, which is obviously tougher this yeah. year. Sorry, on a quick side note, just going to the Raptors for a second. We dropped the 150 chip on a game four clinching game. That's fucking impressive. 100 bench points. Woo! 
All right, moving down the list, we got another matchup. We're looking at the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz. Denver Nuggets got their asses kicked last game. Jazz up 3-2. to two. What's your impression of the series? I think the Jazz can close it out tomorrow at 4. Super exciting series, right? Like we don't get, I don't get to see Denver play that much because of the time zone thing. Um, our, our boy there, best, the best Canadian basketball player in the world, I think has been and doesn't get the respect putting it down. 42 points. Let's go. Man, Jamal Murray's been killing it. 42 points, eight rebounds, eight assists in that last game. I think that the Nuggets might, I don't know, they're going to make it a series. I think it goes seven. I don't know who wins, but I think it goes seven. Just on paper, it seems like the most closely contested matchup. Like, if I had to make, like, a list of all teams in the NBA and put two teams together that I thought would put together the most closely contested (laughs) matchup, it's the Nuggets and Jazz. They basically seem like the same team to me for some reason. I've been impressed by Utah, actually. I didn't think they were going to be able to get it together. Um, they lost Bogdanovich, too. And, you know, like, these guys had COVID, and they were, like, beefing. So, I mean, good for them. Donovan Mitchell. These guys, their p- players are putting up insane numbers in the bubble. Yeah, I know. Like, I mean, the one advantage Utah has, though, before the series and throughout the series has been Gobert has been matched up against the best player offensively, right? So it's 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 forced really Jamal Murray. Point. That's a really good point. It's forced Jamal Murray to do what he's done, and he's stepped up just kind of like Donovan Mitchell's done the same on the other side. That game where they each dropped 50-plus points was one of the best games to watch so far in the playoffs. Jamal Murray's yeah. been my guy for a while, and the big reason why I kind of love him is that he thrives in the spotlight. He likes those tense situations, those last-minute, two seconds on the shot clock yep. type of moments. You know, I, I think he's a big-game player, and he's only going to get better. And, and Greg was, uh, was mentioning earlier, he's definitely the best – Canadian basketball player in the world and definitely the feature face of the Canadian basketball program. Um, all right. Wait, down the wait you guys don't think game at you don't think Wiggins in half an hour. It is game five. Milwaukee. Nah, Chelsea, it ain't Wiggins. Orlando magic. And this is <laughs> done today, boys. Greg. No, go ahead. Well, the bucks are closing the series out. Um, I mean, we saw the blunder in the first round, a little a little blip, and then the last game, Orlando actually was up for quite a bit until Milwaukee sort of turned it on at the end. I, I just like how Orlando is giving Milwaukee a bit of a series, kind of like they did the Raptors last year. Um, it's forcing Milwaukee to sort of, you know, use their use their bench, use their whole team, use Giannis a lot all the way throughout. So, I don't know. It's, it's good because they're going to have to face a really, really tough team in the heat in the next round and the longer that the magic can sort of force this if they can win today that'd be amazing i don't think they will but if they can force even a tough game against milwaukee it's only going to bode well for for the heat right that's right that's, that's right. a tough matchup you know you think of anyone in the nba that could hypothetically or potentially guard Giannis, it might be ben Adebayo. so that's a, definitely a matchup to look out for um, moving down the list, we got personally my favorite series right now, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rocket right now tied up 2-2. OKC Thunder, definitely a Cinderella type of story this season, losing Russell Westbrook, Durant the year before, coming back guns ablaze, and might be even a better version of the team last season with Russell Westbrook. Team is 2-2 right now. Also, I yep. uh, can't forget about maybe the other 1A, 1B best Canadian player in the world, Shea Gildas-Alexander. Guys, what's your impression of this match? matchup and what is going to go down tonight in game five 
You're right. And you know what? It's even juicier because of the Chris Paul element, right? With uh, Harden. Um, and because of Westbrook isn't playing, it's really put those two in the spotlight. I love that the Thunder were down and that they came back. You're exactly right to give props to them. Uh, and like they play with so much more team unity than the Paul George uh, Westbrook teams, right? Um, and I would love to see... And the only reason I think I was cheering a little bit for the Rockets is because I want to see the LA teams get knocked off. And the Rockets have at least the talent to do that. I just You're also a massive Daryl Morey fan. You are all about like not, analytics and numbers really bought, and, and Morey's your guy. Yep, Sloan Collins yep, here and, 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 No, you're right. Brandon, you're right. Like uh and that's why I struggle to now cheer for them. Be, because it is mind boggling sometimes. Like the other night you saw how they how they gave up that lead, right? At some point it, it doesn't click in that, you know, maybe take a step in you know, get your feeling right at least, hit a shot and then step out again. But no, just like chucking up threes, man. Right? It 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 is brutal to watch. And I and I question if a team can actually win a championship doing it. I really do. I like their switching defense. It's it's interesting. PJ Tucker is is really doing unique things there in Houston, battling against Steven Adams. <laughs> I mean, you're right. I, I, what I agree with you on that is that Houston's tough to watch and that they just play that one way of basketball. The The one thing I would say about the series that's been well, the best Westbrook. Part of, that's true. The West, sorry, no, the go best on. Part about the series, sorry? No, go on. Sorry. Um, for me, it's Billy Donovan and all the adjustments. Like, we know Houston has traditionally, they always go small ball, right? Like, that's what they, they traded Clint Capella to do it. And Billy Donovan sort of put out the lineup out there with Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul, Shea Gildress that sort of matched that going well, small. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Schroeder, Schroeder has been, in my opinion, the X factor in this series. And I know that him and I think it's Lou Williams and Montrez are all six man of the year candidates. It's it. I didn't notice what Schroeder was doing this year, but Schroeder has been like, this series specifically, good, the reason they've won the games. It's the reason why it's 2-2 for me. Chris Paul, obviously, last game in overtime, or the, the one game in overtime, took over. But uh, it, you're right. This has been the most exciting series because it's been the closest. The, the it's, best a dead, matched up. it's a deadly three-point guard lineup. And without Westbrook, it's difficult for the Rockets to, I think, defend it, right? Through, uh, using just Eric Gordon, who has, who has also been good. But Brandon, I think that's a really typical pick for you. You didn't go with the sexy pick, L.A. Mavs. You went with your with your weird hipster pick uh, with the with the all southern <laughs> with the all southern uh, America basketball contest. But you're right; it's a it's a really good series as well. It'd be hard to mention this series as well without mentioning Lou Dort and how well he's played defensively because yep. he got so many props. And I mean, look. Even even like Harden, like there's been players on the other team that have even recognized how well Lou Dort's played. So props to him. He's, he's good against Harden. He's particularly stout, right? Because Harden like likes the ball. <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. The final matchup we have to get to, um, we kind of alluded to it earlier. Game five is tonight at nine o'clock. The LA Lakers have an opportunity to finish off the Portland Trailblazers. Graffin mentioned that Damian Lillard most likely will not be playing tonight. Guys, is this a foregone conclusion? Yeah. Well, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I, I mentioned it already. I, I, I talked about this one already as much as I could. It's over. It's done. Mellow's Mello from New York is not walking through that door, Brandon. And even if he did, I, I still don't think they'd win because LeBron and AD, they're on a mission. 
to have more Taco Tuesdays. Alrighty, uh, so <laughs> we're gonna finish up the pod. Greg, you got a gripe? No, I griped at the beginning. Uh, there needs to be reform in America. And you know, look, we talk about reallocation of criminal justice funds. It's for like, com- it should be for community stuff and mental health stuff. Right. And I think that's what needs to be discussed a lot more. Um, but, uh, you know, hopefully we, hopefully we get some basketball tomorrow, but you know what? I, I respect their decisions if, uh, uh, to make a stand and play in hope of, of doing something greater, because obviously the status quo is no longer acceptable for them. I don't know if you got an opportunity to touch, if I touched base on this last week, but I was listening to an interview about the Masai Ujiri security guard fiasco last year. And Brian Warnhurst was on TV saying that um, the more troubling thing of the situation was that when he went to the court, no one obstructed him. No one told him about that in the court. He walked on unscathed, no issue whatsoever. Who's that? The the the, the reporter, the white reporter Brian Winhorst was saying that when he went to the like a member of the media went to the court after the finals, there was no mm-hmm. application, no one asked him for his credentials, nothing came in, nothing happened. It gets more of a bigger systemic issue uh, with the Masai Jerry thing. It's it's completely ridiculous, and and the, and the fact that that guy initially sued him for personal damages or emotional distress or whatever. Yeah, right. It's it's it speaks to the constructs of of institutional racism that that permeate through the criminal justice system in in America, uh, and but and to certain degrees here in Canada as well. Again, I encourage uh, any uh, any of the listeners that are more interested in that uh, to to check out the Globe and Mail article by Sabrina Razak and um, Janelle Joseph. This this series against Boston right now is just occurring in such a critical social moment. And it said, it's interesting that it's the Raptors and the Celtics that are the ones in this, right? Cause Boston, uh, with the they've, Boston sports franchises have admitted it, that, that, that there has been, uh, you know, players are hearing racist slurs being, being thrown to them in, uh, uh, in the crowd and right. So but these players are doing this pretty extraordinary. It just might put enough pressure on, uh, on, on the vote. Right. Because let's be honest, there's a lunatic in 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 the White House that is not doing anything to address these issues. And and that needs to change first, obviously. All right, you guys, thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Uh, you can catch us on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Music, TuneIn Radio app. Um, go Raps, go. Hopefully we get a game tomorrow. If not, we completely understand the rationalization. And uh, we'll at least have some news to bring you next week. So have a fantastic week. Peace. Peace out, T-Dot. Yes, Miku, the man, the unsung hero.